Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast, produced in partnership with BizNews PA. I'm Joel Berg, editor and founder of BizNews PA. The subject of this episode is the economic impact of the cultural sector. Our guests are Carl Blischka, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts, and Kelly Gibson, President of the Cultural Alliance of York County. So the pandemic has obviously had a huge impact on the arts and cultural sector in York County and Pennsylvania at large. Um, what is the biggest lesson that the pandemic has taught you about the arts and the, cult- the arts and cultural sector and its impact? I think what became uh, really evident as the pandemic uh, kicked off was that um, the impact of the you know health mitigation efforts uh, was was huge. And, and it had to be at that time, you know, to promote public health. But uh, we like to say the creative sector um, is important, but it was among the first to close and the last to reopen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the lesson was that um, we have something that involves, you know, getting people together uh, that will be greatly impacted, but it'll also be greatly mixed, uh, missed. Uh, so we also learned that uh, those cultural moments remained important. People wanted to have those. Uh, they started to get those through other ways online, um, but it was greatly missed. And I think uh, people uh, grew in terms of their appreciation of what the arts and culture bring to their community. Yeah, agreed. Here in York County, I think we really um, saw it as it was, it was very hard to watch um, especially for our, our creative entrepreneurs, our, our cultural artists and workers, many of them were out of work for the foreseeable future before we even shut down. Because if they're working on tours, if they do sound, if they're production, their business dried up overnight forever. So what also was amazing though, a lesson I learned was never count out creative people because their ability to just pivot on a dime was phenomenal. You watch someone like uh, DreamWrites Center for Community Arts take their live theater and turn it into radio plays for the holiday. Who would have thought a radio play in 2020 was what we needed, but it turns out it was. And so to watch them just pick up and run with new ways of doing things. And I think Carl hit on it. A lot of people also connected with their creative side in a way where they just leaned in and said, you know, I don't want the day job anymore. I wanna be this full time. And so, so many businesses started up from creative entrepreneurs in times where people would have thought that wouldn't have been possible. So I think our lesson was don't count them out, but they also need to be supported to be able to do that work. So what were some of the things that you missed personally during the pandemic? What did you feel as far as that absence, that gap, that lack in your own experience? For me, it was, you know, just the activation of our, our downtown community and buskers. I missed buskers a lot. We have so many musicians that just play at different locations out on our street corners that that do just so much for your morale, just so much for your day. Um, We had lunchtime concerts that disappeared. That kind of live interaction with music, I didn't realize until it was completely silent downtown how much that matters. Yeah, in a similar way, I missed uh, the activation of um, I live in Harrisburg and all the activities that take place uh, in and around Harrisburg and uh, you didn't I didn't really realize how important that sense of community was until it was not available to me and there is something different about having um, this kind of arts and entertainment experience in person 
uh, I certainly consumed a lot of things like others did um, online, um, but it's uh, it's a different experience, and uh, I missed that uh, the the power of being together in public. So you mentioned that a lot of arts organizations pivoted on their own. They found their own ways to survive the radio show from uh, DreamRights is a great example. Um, what were some of the other things that helped organizations survive through the pandemic besides sort of their own resources and their own creativity, which of course shouldn't be that surprising? I think one thing that we really learned was, and my organization has always been an operational funder as well as Pennsylvania Council has been an incredible operational funder for arts and culture organizations around the state. Um, but that's rare. A lot of our, the funding here, especially in New York County, was for programs, sponsorships, uh, or projects. And when you can't do programs or projects anymore, but you still need to keep the lights on and retain staff through the pandemic, um, we really, really saw that need for operational cash. Because remember, that's the other thing to remember. When we say that they're the first close, for m many of them, their their cash is facing forward. They're spending money on shows that have not happened. They're investing dollars in supplies for things that have not come. I remember getting a call from an artist in our community who makes the costumes for all the high school musicals of our school districts. And when I say all, I'm not exaggerating. Every show goes to this one lady. She's in her sewing room with costumes that are mostly done or half done for shows that are now not happening. How much money she had spent out, which she is not going to recoup. So I think the operational funding that we saw through First, First Cares and ARP were critical in that many, most, if not all, of our organizations were able to survive. And that's the only way they were able to do it because our funders realized programmatic and sponsorship and projects is great, but it's not actually what operations needs. Operations needs administrative dollars. Yeah, I think um, when you look at the sector and, and the impact on it, um, it really was gonna take uh, an intervention that was right-sized to the size of the problem. Mm -hmm. And it was a big problem. And I think people yeah. really understood the threat to small businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, and their favorite small businesses are all around them. And uh, I think people were rightly uh, worried about that. And they wanted their small businesses to survive at the end of this. Um, arts activities are run by essentially small businesses, right? And so in the same way that that threat was there. so. I think what was necessary and what happened in some cases was a combination of funders uh, changing some of their strategies, being more flexible, mm -hmm. but it really required local, county, state, and federal intervention. Right. That was the size of the problem. And you know, we're sitting here in York today, uh, which did um, on a county and local level uh, step in, uh, the state stepped in, and the federal government stepped in. Uh, that was. That was really important. I think that did make a difference. I think uh, the sector is where it is today because uh, that was recognized and acted upon at all levels. Were you ever concerned at, some, at one point that organizations wouldn't survive, that you wouldn't even get to this point where you were not quite fully back, but we're getting there? Absolutely, 100% terrified, <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, remember, you know, in March of 2020, everything is canceled and we thought we'd be back in a few weeks. 
And so think about that from a programming perspective of having to juggle all of these shows you've worked maybe a year to put together all of this work and then trying to just keep moving that needle and realizing there is no end time where we can plan this to be happening. Um, and so and at that time, we really didn't know how funding would roll out. For my organization, I'm a, I'm a local United Arts Fund and funder, as well as a partner with the Pennsylvania Council. You know, for most businesses, their, their right way to handle the pandemic at first was to just shut completely down, maybe lay off staff, just conserve cash. We did the absolute opposite thing. We're, we're a regranter, so I have dollars to go out. All we did was just get those dollars out way faster. So I did about a year's worth of funding in two months. And that was both income replacement for artists as well as emergency cash for organizations. And then there was a moment where I was like, well, what happens now? I already did that. The thing I could do, I did. How are we gonna continue the survival? Um, but so as Carl said very rightly, state, federal and local, that's what it took to really get in there. And also just, like I said, it's amazing to watch how they came together, our community of cultural folks, how they partner. They've always been very collaborative here. Artists lending each other equipment, learning new skills. Here's what's amazing that people don't always realize. Artists are like superheroes in that. An artist will say, you know what would be great for my practice? If I started screen printing, I'm just gonna learn how to do that even if I never did that before. And then they do, and then they do a whole new thing. So we watched artists like just completely change how they worked, how they operated. You saw like more senior artists learning technology than I've ever seen in my life. So they just pick it up and run with it. And then they help their other fellow artists do it too. And I think the cultural community was the same. Who's got a, who's got a video camera? Can we tape shows now on the stage at the Appel Center? How do we do this, that, and the other thing? So I think it was that partnership that really mattered, but also, um, yeah, we were really worried about it, but. But the sector, like, they just rallied, and it was really, it was a beautiful thing to see. Yes, I concur. <laughs> With everything Kelly said, I think she described it really well. Uh, there was a concern, and, and largely it was because um, most of the organizations uh, were not operating, you know, with months of cash reserve on hand. Right. You know, there was a certain window um, where we had to intervene. Um, so some didn't make it, some reimagined themselves, some had to change their business model, um, but there is resiliency and um, they're continuing to respond. I think they're continuing to respond to that demand that is there inherently uh, for uh, cultural goods uh, and services. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, I feel that it will be um, and continue to be a bright spot in our economy. Was there a moment where you realized it would, that things would eventually get better, or, or, or we wouldn't get back to where it was, but we at least survive and recover? There, there was this moment where um, we were all talking about, and, and this was a this was a, a conversation we had a, as a region. So we had some folks at Lancaster talking about how, and this was in twenty. I should say this is at the beginning of summer. Of 2021. So remember when we all thought like, yay, hot summer, everything's going to be open. And then, uh-oh. So at that moment, everyone was touting how great it's going to be to get back into, you know, festivals and concerts. And then I came on and said, that's great. But by October, 
we could see a real spike that's going to drive all of our traffic in a different direction and we have to be prepared for that. And I got called basically a Debbie Downer, which I was, but I was not also wrong. So, you know, I think I think what's become really apparent is being able to to have a plan A, B and C has become part of the DNA of our cultural community uh, and they're they're better for it, for sure. But yeah, I mean, I think once we saw them weathering those postponements and cancellations again last summer, um, trying to plan again, still being hopeful and planning a full 2022 at the same time, that was when I thought, all right, well, if we can withstand this and they can now do these different plannings and we know that if we had to call on resources, they, they will be there, then I was like, all right, we're good. We can make it. Yeah, and in part that aligns with uh, the environment that we were in. And, um, you know, as time went on um, and different health mitigation uh, efforts were out there, including, you know, vaccinations and, and treatments uh, and levels of uh, immunity, um, you know, that th- that's a point where that changes the environment and uh, makes it much more um, conducive to uh, all of our activities. So what permanent changes do you see in the arts and cultural sector from the pandemic? I mean, some of them are probably going to be transitory, I would imagine, but I'm sure there will be some permanent differences, permanent changes. What what do you see as some of those being? I think, um, you know, uh, risk management around large live activities is, is, has to be heightened um, from all aspects of, of, of that kind of event, uh, from public safety, uh, to potential um, postponements and delays, and I, I think that'll that'll remain with us. You know, it's um, people will probably be looking at the language and contracts and all that stuff. Uh, but I think the ability for uh, creatives of of all size to uh, reach out and find audience uh, through new ways, and even uh, audiences in a much broader market, including international, I think that's uh, here to stay. Uh, we have tools that uh, kind of democratize the creation of all kinds of work. Um, I think that's that will be used, that's here to stay, um, and thinking of our audiences um, in a much broader way is here to stay. I think too, one, one piece of, of what happened after shutdown and, you know, with the murder of George Floyd and all of the different things happening around equity and race that our arts and culture community realized that they need to do more to be for the entire community. And that really came um, very apparent when they didn't have audiences anymore and had to reimagine when we open these doors again, how can we do so in a way that makes sure that we're part of this conversation and we're actively here for our, our full community. And I've been really heartened to see that work. It's hard work, it's gonna take time. They're still working through a lot of that but the connections in the community have become here in York County so much deeper. And we've really tried to, to build those bridges and, and work on when we do fully open again, how do we have programming that feels welcoming to everyone who lives here? And how do we really kind of become part of that conversation? Because again, arts and culture especially are really good at hard, difficult, sticky conversations. Um, and, and our community said, this is part of your job. So they're really taking that mantle on and, and thinking through as they, you know, open again, they're having that opportunity of, we don't have to go right back to business as it was. How do we change to fit the community we have now post pandemic than we were doing before? 
Yes, you're right. Well, my next question was in some ways based on that. It was about their full recovery. So what will a full recovery look like? And will it be like going back to 2019 or will it be something different? And you're suggesting something different. And maybe what do you see that full recovery looking like for arts and culture? And what differences will, will, will it show from kind of what we knew it to be in 2019 besides revised contract language? <laughs> That was exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, it's true. It's totally true. <laughs> can I can I say what I hope it'll be? Yeah. Um, I think over the last few years, uh, again, we we saw the role that a vibrant creative sector plays uh, in many ways in the community. What I'm hoping recovery and resiliency going forward looks like is that this sector is recognized as key to making communities attractive inclusive, competitive places. And uh, what that looks like to me is integrating um, all of the assets in our industry in with community planning in terms of making sure that it is uh, an ecosystem that supports that, that is maximizing benefits for residents, for visitors, uh, for business investment, uh, and part of their long-term um, plan, their investment plan for, for being uh, a great community in Pennsylvania. And I think that's uh, a key uh, for our state as we look forward to a world that's a little different and people are making decisions about uh, where they want to live and where they want to invest differently. Uh, and I hope that uh, we're a part of the key strategy uh, to um, maximize our, our, our benefit from that shift. Thank you, Carl. Kelly? Yeah, 100%. And also, you know, there's a, a lightning in the bottle moment we have when everything shut down and people realized what a hole it was not to have our creative community alive and vibrant in there. Because uh, let's just face it, we all took that for granted that it would always be there. Someone, quote unquote, someone will make that festival happen. Someone will put on an art show every first Friday. Someone is going to be playing at my favorite restaurant. And then when it would disappeared, people realized, oh, that someone is me. I have to buy tickets. I have to make sure that I'm sponsoring. I have to, with my business, invest because, you know, the dollar return on investment is, is important. We talk about the economics, but also it's just really good for our souls. It's just really important to have that as part of our mental and physical well-being. And so I think that that lightning moment in a bottle is critical for folks to remember. Hopefully we don't go back to forgetting, but to remember that it's only here if you stand up and support it. Um, you know, the audiences are coming back slowly. A little faster would be great. I know you have, everyone has lots of things they have to do with all the things are coming at us faster now. And I think people are being more choosy with their time post pandemic, but if you want it to exist, you have to put both a dollar and a effort behind that. Time is also as valuable. Volunteering is, is a big need we have right now um, in the cultural community to make all of these things possible because turning it all off and turning it back on again is not, it's not the same. Like we, we did have huge disruption and all that infrastructure has to get built again and momentum too. So so it's it's each of us has a responsibility to support what we care for and to make sure it continues. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the York County Economic Alliance podcast, produced in partnership with BizNews PA. Join us next month for a look at the upcoming midterm elections.